0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge of Wharton.
1: Moody's Analytics Chief Economist Mark Zandi. Recently, had a headline by the uh, news organization ProPublica caught our eye. It was titled Trump's Trillion Dollar Hit to Homeowners. The story was about how the 2017 tax law negatively impacted real estate values in various parts of the country. It was based in part on the work of Moody's Analytics chief economist Mark Zandi, who stated in December 2017 that the Tax Cut and Jobs Act would cause the value of houses to drop by about 4%. This, in part, is tied to the lowering of the mortgage interest deduction for new home buyers, and the capping of state and local deductions to about $10,000, which really hit areas with high property taxes. Using Federal Reserve data as of March 31st, 2019, the value of all U.S. homes was at $26.1 trillion, according to the ProPublica piece, which was co-produced by Fortune. Correlate that you see that home prices were about $1.04 trillion lower than they possibly could have been without the tax law in place. To take a closer look at this, we're joined on the phone by Mark Zandi of Moody's Analytics and also by Susan Wachter, who's professor of real estate and finance here at the Wharton School and co-director of the Penn Institute for Urban Research. Mark, great to have you back with us. Susan, great to have you with us as well. Thank you both. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. So, Mark, w- with all the factors that have played out since you uh, you made those statements two years ago, are we at basically a-, a a loss of potential value of about $1 trillion?
2: Yeah, it feels about right. Um, if you look at house price growth nationwide back right after the tax law was passed in late 2017, house price growth was 6 7% year-over-year year per annum. Uh, we're now down to about three, so yeah, feels about right. Um, uh, it, uh, the the estimate was that it, that the tax law, in uh, all its effects, would slow house price growth. That so that by the summer of 2019, about now, house price prices nationwide would be about four percent less than they would have been otherwise. Not that they would decline. Right that's not what we were saying but that they would be 4% less. So, yeah, it feels about right. Right, the value of where they could have been at this
1: point and where they actually are is about a 4% difference you believe.
2: Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, we'll never know, right? Cuz right. we don't know what the counterfactual is. We don't know what the world would have been without the tax cut, but yeah, I mean if, if uh, house price growth on Q slowed uh, pretty sharply um, soon after the tax cut was implemented, people started you know, looking at their taxes and what impact it would have and, and because I ge- of the scaling
1: back. And, and I guess there, if you were to go region by region or county by county, you would see that level vary uh, from, from area to area, correct?
2: Yeah, you would. Uh, so, uh, the, the impacts would be most significant in the Northeast Corridor, particularly around New York, uh, but also down here in the Philadelphia area, down into D.C., Chicago, the Chicago area, uh, California, and in fact, if you go look at where house price growth has slowed the most, uh, it has been in those areas uh, compared to the rest of the country where the tax law effects would not be uh, as significant.
1: So, Susan, with the uh, with the impact of the tax law, where do you think the housing sector is right now?
0: Well, first of all, let me just say, as usual, Mark Zandi was prescient. Uh, this is... Um 2019, first quarter of 2019, actually, most recent data housing prices for the top end, luxury homes, down 1.6%, while non luxury homes, 300,000 or under, are up 3%, which is pretty, actually, even less, about 2.6%. So it's almost precisely on the mark that Mark <laughs> uh, forecasted, <laughs> which is, as I said, um, you know, not unusual for Mark, unusual for many forecasters, but he's often right there, and once again, he is.
2: Well, Dan, you should know, but yep. Susan's a buddy of mine, so yeah. she's very kind.
1: Yeah. Well, that's yeah. why she came up yeah. with the on the mark yeah, there you so, go. so quickly that oh, she did. on the mark there. Exactly. So, but, Mark, take us, if you can, through the, the impacts, because I think a, a lot of people hear uh, the data, and maybe they don't truly understand the total impact as it played out. I mentioned some of the factors, but if you can, take us through this process that you saw potentially occurring two years ago.
2: Yeah, the most direct impact is through the scaling back of the uh, deductions in the tax code that are intended to pr- promote uh, owning a home. So, one of the key provisions was uh, a cap on the deduction for state and local real estate and income taxes at ten ten thousand dollars. Again, that that sounds like a lot, uh, but for people in the northeast quarter of California, uh, they that cap meant something. Also, the tax law scaled back the uh, value of the mortgage interest deduction. many people. And uh, because marginal rates came down, a lot of people no longer found it valuable to deduct at all. So the the most direct effect is that these deductions and other uh, preferences in the tax code that were uh, available to homeowners were taken away. And the result is uh, it affects demand for housing. And when demand for housing uh, weakens, that comes out of price, and so that's exactly what we saw. There are other effects. I mean, this estimate, the four percent estimate, was based on all of the different effects the tax law would have—the uh, direct ones, but also the indirect ones on the economy, jobs, interest rates, everything else.
1: So, Susan, then uh, the the housing market, I, I think, is is a statistic, and it's an area that is is more closely watched, I think, now than than it ever uh, before. And, and I think I've, it's interesting because the the data around home ownership when you look at some of the factors like we've seen mortgage rates decline a little bit but then you have these factors there's an element that, that I think that that brings up the question of whether or not the homeowner truly is in still a a good spot at this point and whether or not we're going to see more and more people go into these multifamily homes or we're going to see more and more single family homes being built in the in the months and years ahead
0: uh, that's exactly right Uh, There is continued pressure on prices in the non-luxury, particularly the starter home uh, bracket. Home ownership is uh, uh, declining a bit after it increased slightly. The demographics are extremely important here. We see millennials still not buying. We have all-time lows in first-time home buyers. They're less than one-third, whereas uh, they've been as as more than a half of home buyers. Uh, it, despite the fact that mortgage rates are historically low, housing prices, not on the top end that uh, Mark is pointing to, but on the affordable, they continue to rise faster than overall prices. They continue to rise faster than, um, than wages and incomes. So affordability is not easing up where it matters. Uh, this is a concern uh, for uh, obviously for home ownership in the future and mm-hmm. for our economy. It's a concern for affordability. It's a concern for families to get on that ladder of home ownership so that they can uh, save and protect themselves against future rent rises because rents are rising even faster. But then there's a whole other concern, and that is. Now, when is the next recession? When is it coming? Right. And uh, housing is clearly a bellwether for that. And uh, if sales, which tend to be at the higher end, new construction is at the higher end, are slowing, that's one more factor that may push us over to a recession. So, Mark, how, how
1: when you are talking with various people in this sector, how do home builders feel at this point about where the, where where the sector is in general at this point?
2: Well, uh, they're having to make an adjustment. Uh, I mean, for uh, most of the uh, expansion since the last recession, which was about 10 years ago, the the big builders, uh, the publicly traded builders focused on the high end of the market, both in terms of single family, but also in terms of uh, high end apartment markets. There, there's been overbuilding. Of course, the tax law change didn't help. Uh, and so they 've now had to switch gears and they 're focused on the uh more affordable parts of the market to susan 's point that the kind of the entry level uh lower priced homes so affordable rental market uh has been ignored up until recently, and there 's been uh, very little building there rents and prices have risen, so the builders are now being attracted to to that so they 're they 're refocusing they 're adjusting they 're uh, moving resources to try to address uh the shortages that are now evident. Uh I mean I I I think Susan's right. There's a crisis with regard to affordable housing. We need more affordable housing. The builders recognize that and they're they're adjusting to that. They've got it's it's a complicated problem for them because, you know, where the where the demand is for these kinds of homes is in urban areas, particularly where it's very difficult to build, a lot of zoning permitting issues, that kind of thing. So they have to work all of that through, but uh, they're 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 making that adjustment.
1: And, and does more of that new building that needs to occur need to be in the single family market more so than than the multifamily market?
2: Well, I think on the for affordable uh, workforce housing, I think we need both. Uh, okay. We need both, both affordable single family, and we need uh, affordable rental. There's just a very severe shortage there, and uh, so, we, so we definitely need both. And Susan pointed out, correct, you know, did that on, that house price growth and, and rent growth, again, for that yep. kind of lower price point, uh, affordable rental, are, are rising very rapidly.
1: Well, and, and Susan, you kind of touched on it, but let's hit this again, is the fact that the rental market has gone up so much in the, in the last few years that, uh, th- that the rental market is becoming very tough for a lot of people.
0: Yes, and it's a, a catch twenty-two situation because as rents rise, and they're rising, of course, where the jobs, where the job market is. So that's where exactly people want to go to, and that's where the it's difficult to get that entry home as a homeowner. So you rent, and you push the rental. In fact, you share. Uh, shared renting is increasing, uh, but the problem is that you can't save. It's hard to save for that down payment, mm-hmm. and that makes it. Um, more demand for renting than otherwise. So, for, for a while yet to come, the rental market, it's been for, it's actually historically, we haven't seen rents increase so, so much for so long. In any, uh, in any historical period for which we have data, and it's likely to
1: continue. Mark, when you look at some of those areas that you mentioned that, that obviously are, or, are impacted more so than other areas around the country, in and around New York City, uh, the New Jersey side of the river as well, uh, Chicago, I believe you mentioned, and, and California as well, are there also elements uh, of what the, what the property tax structure is in those areas that are, that are also playing a role here as well?
2: Yeah, well, yes, that's right. I mean, uh, th- those uh, areas, those communities, uh, uh, homeowners uh, pay a lot in property tax. It's uh, one of the key ways those uh, local governments uh, fund themselves and and uh, provide the government uh, services that they do to their to their residents. So, uh, very significant reliance on uh, property real estate taxes, that's why they're so high, and that's why that tax law change that was uh, that was implemented uh, back in the start of 2018 has had such a big impact and you know it goes beyond just the direct effect uh, uh, in terms of the Deductions for for housing, it goes to the impact on the finances of those state and local governments. Goes to the uh, uh, location decisions of businesses, uh, the, the, just the broader economy, and hmm. and the tax law change had a you know a, a more uh, negative effect on those areas because because they did rely pretty heavily on uh, on property taxes and on, on state and local income tax.
1: I guess out of all of this data, maybe the one area that hasn't had as much impact maybe is the fact that the mortgage rates have declined uh, you know a decent amount over the last couple of years mark
2: yeah they they rose uh, it's hard to remember dan you know they rose actually in 2018 and yeah. that you know uh, that to, on cue i mean because the the other ill effect of the tax law change was it added massively to our budget deficit right yeah. we're on tra- we got a trillion dollar budget deficit This past fiscal year, and um, you know, four and a half percent of GDP, you know, which is uh, very large, particularly when the economy is at full employment. So interest rates did rise, but then you know, things happen. Uh, Trade war would be a good thing that happened, a bad bad thing that happened, but did a lot and uh, you know, totally unexpected, and that has done a lot of damage. So interest rates. Uh, subsequently, have declined, and you know that is starting to lift housing activity. Home sales are starting to improve, housing construction, and I would even expect house price growth to start uh, getting uh, coming back to life a little bit. So interest rates have declined, but that tax law uh, change uh, uh, did raise interest rates. And over the longer run, you know, extracting from these ups and downs year to year, it it, it will add interest rates because the government is not going to be borrowing a lot more money uh, from from investors unless something changes again.
1: Susan, Mark mentioned something I I wanted you to touch on, and I think it's an important point, is he mentioned the trade war, and I think we forget at times how much outside factors can impact this particular sector when you think about the the product that is being used and and the materials and the employment and and so many different pieces and the equipment as well. The trade war does does play a significant role here.
0: Yes, and it also, uh, not surprisingly impacts differentially across the country. So regions that are hit are regions that are export-intensive, particularly. And some of those regions are the same ones that are being hit by the high, higher uh, deduction, uh, the lower deductions. And more generally, what we're seeing is the very large markets affordability problems, which are not helped by the deduction or hurt by the deduction, uh, but simply the housing prices and rents rising uh, for so long in these hot markets, that the markets themselves are turning down. So for the first time, we're seeing the very large markets like New York City, uh, Metro Area, Washington, D.C., L.A., the very expensive markets, which are also hit by uh, uh, trade declines, especially in the service industries. Um we see uh, declines in population. We see movement towards the yep. uh, more affordable southern uh, Midwest markets, and uh, whether this is a long-term trend, we'll, we'll have to wait to see, but it's a pretty stunning development.
1: Well, I think, Mark, when you, when you look at a, at, a, at a state like California, and especially like a market in and around the San Francisco Bay Area, that's an area where we saw such a, a strong rise in prices over the last few years. I think the, the average price ended up going uh, close to or over a million dollars, and maybe that dipped back a little bit. But it's made it very hard for people to try and own a home in that area, especially even when you go out 20 or 30 miles for all of the people that live and work in that area.
0: Yeah,
2: no, affordability is a real problem, uh particularly uh, in the Bay Area. That's the poster child uh because prices did come roaring back, house prices did come roaring back in, in the wake of the housing bust. Uh but you know, that, there's a, there's another good example of where the tax laws had done some damage. The, the ta- tax law effects have uh, knocked the wind out of the Bay Area uh housing market. And house prices over the last uh, over a year or two since the tax law change have weakened considerably. Actually, they've been they've been declining more recently.
1: So, how do we mitigate the, this potential loss of, of value moving forward, Mark?
2: How do we mitigate it?
1: Yeah. How do we deal with it? I mean, obviously, if, if, we, if, if the estimates are correct and we've seen basically a, a, a difference in value of about $1 trillion over the course of the last two years, how potentially can the market itself uh, over a period of time recoup that? Can we mitigate the, the impacts that we've seen oh. over the last two years?
2: It will. I mean, this is a one-time adjustment. It's like a one-time hit, right? So, the market will adjust uh, to the new tax law, and that's what we've observed. Uh may, may have a bit more to go here, but uh, we're, we're pretty close to the end of the process. And then, all the other things that matter to affecting housing demand and supply, and those house prices will kind of kick into gear and, and we'll move forward. So, the tax law effects were uh, kind of a step down in housing values in those parts of the country where the Deductions were particularly important. Uh, So, uh, a one time hit. I I will point out, you know, uh, it also uh, was a one time boost to stock prices, right? I mean, because you had this massive reduction in corporate tax rates. And that's what you saw back in late 2017, early 2018, when investors realized, oh, we're going to get a big tax cut. So, stock prices rose. So, you know, for the very wealthy who uh, have large stock portfolios, they may say, okay, you know, I lost a little bit on my house, but I gained a lot on my stock. Yeah. But for middle-income Americans who don't own a lot of stock, and you know the house is the key asset that they own, and that's the case for most middle-American uh, households, uh, the tax law was a, was a negative because they they lost a lot more from their uh, less the, the reduction in their housing value com- compared to what they gained in terms of r- rising stock values. So obviously a lot of cross currents here, and it yeah. varies a lot depending on where you live and who you are. But uh, you know, uh, for middle-American households, the Tax law uh, probably uh, made them less wealthy, not more wealthy. Susan,
0: well, I think it does depend, and how does the market adjust? For the, to begin with, their sales just stopped in the very high end in these areas, and now prices are coming down. And as prices come down, there are you know a million, two million dollar house doesn't sound very affordable, but in New York City and San Francisco, for some, they are for the first time affordable. So there are folks who will come back into the market. However there on the other side of that there can be kind of mini uh, uh, mini bubbles and mini mini bus yeah it- Right now, it feels a little bit like there's a real downward draft in the high, very highest price markets like Manhattan and, and San Francisco at the very top end. And that may have a life of its own for a while, but at that point there certainly will be buyers long run that buy into these markets.
1: Do you think that we will see uh, a look at this from a policy perspective moving forward? And, and I think especially depending on what happens in the upcoming election, Susan.
0: Well, I think the mortgage interest deduction uh, is uh, that was moved as unlikely uh, to be reversed. This is, um, but the but the issue, bigger issue of affordability and rental demand. uh, That's a that's an issue that certainly is going to be on the table. In fact, we heard it in the debates. So it'll be interesting to see what happens.
2: Mark. Yeah, I, I think housing policies. Uh, yeah, really, I, I've been watching a lot of, uh, for many many years, presidential elections and policy proposals in, in the lead up to those elections, and housing really has been a bit player in those discussions, except this one, uh, and that goes to the affordable housing crisis. And I do think we have, particularly, obviously, the Democratic candidates really focused on it. Um, Senator Warren has uh, come forward with a pretty detailed proposal, which kind of, kind of. I I think quite uh, interesting she ramps up uh scales up the housing trust fund which is a yeah. a, a pot of money uh, set aside to help uh make uh, uh, development in for an affordable for affordable homes in uh underserved areas in urban yeah. areas rural areas and so it's a pretty uh, I think good plan, but the other candidates too. All of them are, have come forward with pretty good plans, and so that, it's it's encouraging to see the focus because uh, th- there really is a crisis here.
1: But I think that the uh, the element of urban building, which you you bring up, Mark, I think is an important one moving forward. Uh, and I see this a little bit on my way into Philadelphia into work every day on the train of the building that's going on in certain areas of of, of North Philadelphia uh, that have been you know basically lots for the last right. uh, for the last few years you see a little bit in the neighborhoods that really haven't been used and obviously you see it more closer here in Philadelphia to the downtown area in the areas that have become you know the 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 chic places to live where it used to be a $75,000 house and now it's a $400,000 condo or a house
2: yeah, I mean, actually, Philly is a pretty happening place. I mean, uh, I've lived in Philly. You know, I grew up here, and uh, it's pretty amazing to to see what's going on in the downtown area. Very, very, very encouraging, uh, and um, you know, I, lots of reasons for that. Uh, one of which is Penn. Uh, you know, Penn's played a key role in rejuvenating the entire West Philly uh, area. But but the city is uh, is really it really feels good to watch because it's almost like it's getting a makeover here. So. Uh, Very encouraging.
1: But do you feel confident that we're starting to see a time where the understanding of of the build, especially when you're talking about urban areas, is a very important component for builders to, to look at moving forward as we need to have more properties available in the next 10 to 20 years?
2: Yeah, I mean I think it's a, pol- it's a policy issue. I mean, uh, I think local governments really need to focus on this and uh, you know, work to bring down the costs of building in these urban areas, the permitting costs, the zoning issues, uh the fees that uh, they they increased quite significantly during the crisis to generate revenue when house prices were falling. So there's a lot of work to be done. Um uh, by local governments uh, to to try to help alleviate you know the the shortage that exists here and to allow these builders to to put up more homes. But we we also need federal policy, and that's why it's encouraging to see the Democratic candidates, in particular, focus on this as an issue. Susan.
0: Well, the key issue is demand is there, so yep. uh, suppliers yep. have to come back. But the cost of land is not less in cities; actually, it's higher when you bring when you include the regulatory burdens overcoming, as Mark said, uh, with local response for market-rate housing and also for affordable housing is is on the table. In fact, uh, as Mark said, Philadelphia is emblematic of this uh, positive demand, new demand for cities, particularly among millennials. We are actually among the fastest-growing demand markets for the young moving into Philadelphia, so that's that's great. Uh, but again, that puts pressure on housing prices, and uh, supply is increasing. uh... We we see it, we, you know, see the cranes up in the air. There are more cranes up in the air in the uh, uh, uh... West Philadelphia, University of Pennsylvania, top kind of area than anywhere else yeah. in our region. It's quite quite amazing, but that actually doesn't alleviate the, uh, the the cost on the entry level side. So we still have a major problem. Uh, even, in, even in Philadelphia, the, one of the most affordable markets uh, on the East Coast is, is showing pressures in terms of rents and home
1: prices. Great to have you both with us. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Susan. All the best. And we will catch up with you again soon. Thank you again. Thank you. Mark. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Mark Zandi at Moody's Analytics. Susan Wachter from here at the Wharton School in the University of Pennsylvania.
0: For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.